Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. I'm now the fourth American president to preside over war in Afghanistan. Two Democrats and two Republicans. I will not pass this responsibly on, responsibility on to a fifth president. I will not mislead the American people by claiming that just a little more time in Afghanistan will make all the difference. Nor will I shrink from my share of responsibility for where we are today and how we must move forward from here. I am president of the United States of America and the buck stops with me. Kind of, Murphy. Kind of, the buck stops with him. And I, I thought, you know, he, he made a persuasive case on why he felt we should get out of Afghanistan. He didn't make a very uh, persuasive presentation about how we were getting out of Afghanistan and, and the sort of desultory way we're getting out of it. Uh, and so this is such a big thing, this story, that we had to all get together and bring Brother Gibbs in as well. Yeah, no, this is an all hacks on deck uh, situation here. Look, I think he broke. I, I thought the speech was mediocre and clumsy. He broke the first rule of presidential big moment emergency speeches, which is the key point you got to make should not be so far into the speech that if some listener is holding their breath, they will be dead by the time it comes around. So this speech should have started with him taking responsibility for this moment on his watch. Then he can back up and litigate the bigger question of should we be in Afghanistan, why he accepted the Trump plan uh, to, to pull out. But, but there, there needed to be much more ownership at the front, and he punted on that, made the whole speech defensive and political, and I think he heard his case, and he's in a situation where he needs to make a better case. This would be a good moment early on the show to disagree. I think we all agree that – the withdrawal, particularly what we've seen over the past several months, highlighted in the past week, has been appalling. Um, I, I, I don't even say that there was a lack of planning because I'm not even sure there was a planning meeting. Uh, it doesn't look like it. I thought the speech was effective because while there are a lot of pictures right now about the withdrawal, to me the more important thing and the more politically salient thing is the idea that Biden has long wanted to get out of there, believed that the idea of nation building, that you could create some civil society and a, and, a, and a democracy and have a security force that protected all of it was a giant fantasy. Uh, and that is what, quite frankly, most of the people in America agree with him on. So I thought... I wish he would have taken more responsibility when he got to it uh, and maybe done that earlier in the speech. But I thought the, the most important part of the speech was to reiterate 
that we can't be there any longer. Yeah, look, I think he scored on that. Um, I, I, you know, and I thought we can go through some of the uh, some of the clips, uh, and we should of him making that case. But the thing that people were watching on television, the thing that we're experiencing right now. Uh, and it may, this moment may pass. They may, you know, although it seems pretty clear that if you're not, uh, at the airport in, in Kabul right now, you may be SOL in terms of getting out of the country. Um, you know, but so to not, to not say, you know, I said yesterday, uh, on the tube that JFK after the Bay of Pigs said, uh, victory has a thousand fathers, uh, defeat is an orphan. I am the responsible officer of this government. And you know what? He actually benefited from that politically. He His numbers went up because people said, there's a guy taking responsibility. And so, you know, he was, uh, Biden was a, 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 he was, the buck stopped at his desk on the decision, which I, you know, we can, we should, we should uh, talk about that. I think it was the right decision Politically, and I think it was the right decision on policy, difficult though it, it may be. But he was a buck passer when it came to the uh, the way in which this all came down. And, you know, it was Trump's fault. It was the uh, Afghans' fault, all of which was true. But it happened on his watch. And he yeah. stood up in front of the country in April and said, this isn't how it was going to go down. Yeah, to succeed this speech has to be as to talk about Afghanistan, but it's about him and this moment. And that's where opening the speech by owning up in a clear, non-evasive way would have done him a lot of good. Instead, he's going, I agree with Gibbs, he's going to the poll numbers, which are, yeah, people want to be out of Afghanistan. It's a 40-year civil war. We've been there for 20 years. We have a huge pile of leadership failures there, I might add. We have thousands of heroic Americans who fought and, and, Absolutely. and died and bled there, and they deserve nothing but our respect because none of this failure was theirs. It was the boys at the top with the stars on the shoulders and Oval Offices and experts in national security and in the intelligence community who had a multi-year screw up. And there's some good histories coming out. There's, there's a new one in particular. Um, and so... Biden needed to own his part of it, which is right now, because somebody decided not to fortify Kabul before. Somebody decided to trust the Taliban, uh, and we were unprepared. And, you know, that's the buck that stops with him. And he tagged it on the end of the speech as it also ran. That should have been the lead, and that that was his mistake. And this thing politically, it's not it's bad now. Those are those are Jimmy Carter helicopter crash Benghazi images on steroids. But the future is what's really going to determine because this is, you know, Biden is a guy who ran as, oh, I've been around foreign policy for 45 years. I know what to do. His narrative is now being shoved over to the former defense secretary, Biden critic, Gates version of, yeah, he's been around 40 years wrong every time. If this gets worse over there, if, you know, they let Al-Qaeda come back, if this Taliban 2.0 is not the kinder, gentler, gentler Taliban that some people are hoping for, he's going to keep owning it. And it's going to be a real problem for him. It's going to get in the way of the other stuff that he wants to do. And I think he earned it. It, it is a fiasco. And guess what? In presidential politics, you have a fiasco, you pay. He uh, he made an argument. Of, uh, well, first of all, he made an argument about why he had he had no choice uh, to but to either stay and escalate or get out because Trump had uh, cut the number of troops down to twenty five hundred, and there was a kind of 
stasis with the Taliban relative to the U.S. That ran out on May 1st. If you wanted to, if, if you were going to abrogate the agreement that Trump signed last September, by the way, releasing 5,000 uh, uh, Taliban fighters uh, and getting nothing in return, uh, if, if you, uh, if you, uh, or nothing permanent in return, you would have to send troops back. And the question was, do you re-engage all over again? And Mike, you know, l- let's listen uh, to clip number four. We went to Afghanistan almost 20 years ago with clear goals. Get those who attacked us on September 11th, 2001, and make sure al-Qaeda could not use Afghanistan as a base from which to attack us again. We did that. We severely degraded al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. We never gave up the hunt for Osama bin Laden, and we got him. That was a decade ago. Our mission in Afghanistan was never supposed to have been nation-building. It was never supposed to be creating a unified, centralized democracy. Our only vital national interest in Afghanistan remains today what it has always been, preventing a terrorist attack on America's homeland. And to Gibbs's point, Robert, I, I think that resonates with Americans. It also is exactly what Biden's been saying for 12 years, as you and I know. Yeah. Uh, Look, I, 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 I respect Bob Gates, but I, I would love to see the discussion between Joe Biden and Bob Gates right now, because we, we, watched, we watched Joe Biden tell Bob Gates, David Petraeus, and every other uh, important diplomat or general 12 years ago that this experiment wasn't going to work that we couldn't do what they decided we could do. And every two years, the military would would hope and pray for that the next two years would produce a result different from the previous two years. And so you said, Murphy, like, well, whose job was it to fortify Kabul? The Afghans. They failed. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Hold on. They they failed. We we took the training wheels off after $2.7 trillion, 2,500 dead servicemen, uh, $90 billion in training for an Afghan national security force that melted in a week. The pictures are terrible of the evacuation. The idea that the Taliban is coming back into Kabul is not a failure of American leadership in the present. It is a failure of the Afghans to be even remotely capable of doing what must be done to have a country that operates successfully. I would say a couple of things, just and then address Robert's point. First of all, Axe, you're right about Trump. Trump traded a slow motion American surrender for the Taliban to stand down and wait. And Biden saw that policy and thought, yeah, this is how we get out of the place and, you know, kind of went along. We can debate if that was wise or not. But I do believe if the 6,000 American troops who are scrambling to get into Kabul now had been there 30 days ago and the negotiators knew we we're going to have a certain period to evacuate, Taliban, I think, would have taken that deal. They don't want to fight our troops. That's why they haven't taken over the airport. The half of it they don't have in Kabul right now. So just in, even if Biden agreed to the Trump strategy of winding down and getting out because, Robert, as you say, he's always thought this was a lost circumstance. And I, I think he's been right about this 
this too. I think for 10 years we've known Taliban fought for a cause. There are only 75,000 of them. There are 300,000 soldiers in this papered up Afghan army, and they were fighting for wages and corrupt generals. And at the end, they thought we were abandoning them, which didn't help, and we pulled our air support. So we can quibble about all this, but if Biden had been more adroit and in managing the Europeans who were furious that they got caught unaware, um, this withdrawal could have been, I think, a lot more peaceful and less difficult than it, it is now. And I think it's going to be for the well, next. Wait a second. One of the things that concerns me uh, is he's, he then went on to say, well, we don't have to be in Afghanistan to. And I, look, I, I agree with the decision. I think it was the right decision. And I agreed with him 12 years ago when he was making these arguments. And I think, Robert, you did too. Uh, but when he says, uh, you know, we don't have to be there. We're going to have eyes on what's going on there. Well, presumably they had eyes on what's going on there, well, what's been the going thing. on there for the last year, and yeah. they got com caught completely unawares. So the real question is, like, why? And what are you going to do about it? And what does it say about our capacities? And how do you protect the country if you can't trust the, the, uh, the quality of the information you're getting? Murphy, I, I do totally agree with your point on the, you know, the, the fact that we had to rush more troops there to make the evacuation work. Uh, absolutely agree with the, the, like I said, the lack of planning that got us to this point. I guess my point is I don't know that the outcome of the Taliban seizing Afghanistan would have, would, could possibly have been any different. Absolutely agree with you, Axe. I, I, I have to imagine because we both know Biden that there's been some awkward yelling meetings where the president has asked what what was why wasn't there a better plan for getting out um and and what did the intelligence community i'm fascinated to know what the intelligence committee told uh, or community told him such that just five weeks ago he could he would predict that what is happening right now wouldn't happen because i don't think joe biden is going to call an audible and go out in a press conference and say a bunch of things that he know that he knows the opposite are about to happen. Somebody told him this right. was going to hold for some. It was a fuck up, man. It was a fuck up, and he should have said so. But it's a pattern, not just Biden. This thing. Look, America. First of all, Texas point. If there's anywhere on the earth we ought to know what's going on, it's Afghanistan. After twenty years and billions of dollar and half the CIA officers over there, it's stunning. <laughs> they they still didn't know right. anything. And most of the smart, including inside the Pentagon, historians are like, you know, nobody wants to learn Pashtun. Nobody wants to, we're just bad at this. We were bad when we got there and we were bad when we were during there. The politicians in both parties spun the country with PowerPoint charts about, hey, we've just trained a new group of Afghani commandos. And, you know, every once in a while, one of them would turn around and shoot an American because they weren't <laughs> even on our side holding our rifles. So if you look at the U.S. intelligence establishment, which I vociferously defended when Trump constantly attacked them, they have been wrong a lot. They were wrong about the Iranian revolution. Khomeini, what just happened? We're shocked. They were wrong about the Soviets and their military capacity for a long time, and they've been epically wrong in the Middle East on a, a number of things. So regardless of which party you're rooting for and how mad you are at Biden about this, it is time for resignations and shakeups. That is an ossified bureaucracy. And we need a, a rethink. I also think, I'd be curious what you guys say, if I were Biden, I'd fire some people. I'd probably fire the Secretary of State. 
uh, Biden's got to show message received here. This is his fiasco. And, you know, a speech about Trump and how bad Afghanistan is to me doesn't cut it. There have to be changes. Yeah, well, I don't know. You know, before you start firing people, you have to know exactly what people told him. And, but they know internally. Well, they, they, know. They, they do. And, you know, one of the questions I have, um, and I'm already probably in hot water for being candid about this uh, with uh, some of my friends at the White House, and, and so I might as well dig deeper as we do here. <laughs> Hand him a shovel, Murphy. Now you're not going to get invited to the next cool party. You're really doing it to yourself, <laughs> you guys. I'm already on the do not invite list for everybody. Our, so I our, can... pro our producer, Allison Siegel, is, uh, is breaking glass right now <laughs> as she hears me say these words. But look, I think there is an element of Joe Biden who feels strongly that he was right that Gates and all those guys were wrong, and he was eager to make that point. And, yeah. uh, and you know, I don't know whether he raced uh, a little bit here because he wanted to make the point. Uh, I don't know what he was told and what he wasn't told. But, yeah, I think people should be held accountable. Uh, but just to the original point, um, ultimately, as JFK said, Joe Biden's the responsible officer of government. And he right. should say, and, and he would have gained something uh, by saying so. I don't know where this is going to be. You're right, Mike. One of the things that I, I would be worried about if I were he is the first incident of terrorism that happens on U.S. soil that emanates from either Afghanistan yeah. or someone who came over from Afghanistan. If such a thing happens, that is going to be a, a, a obviously a bad day for the country, terrible day for him politically if that happens my guess is that ultimately he will be this will be a stain the way we got out it certainly is going to be a, a, a an issue with um with our allies it's going to make our standing in the human rights community and when we stand up for human rights seem a little tinny and hollow uh but uh but i i think people fundamentally buy his argument and um you know, I, I think that he will he will get support for the decision. All right, let's take a minute to hear from one of our esteemed sponsors. So, Axe, here's a little tidbit a lot of the Hollywood professionals know all about. Netflix and others have different shows in different countries. So if you want to watch France's number one detective show, Starsky and Francois, you can do it if you use something, a VPN system like the very excellent ExpressVPN. It lets you change your online location so you can control where you want to watch Netflix and where you want Netflix to think you are. So you can sit in Chicago, go through ExpressVPN and watch British Netflix TV or lots of other stuff because that way you get around. And it's, it's really kind of cool if you want to see lots of different places you can choose with ExpressVPN one of a hundred different server locations. So the site you are going to think you're there. And there's also, of course, a big security reason for this. In addition to cool streaming services, you can get like BBC iPlayer, foreign YouTube, and a lot more. Yeah, no, listen, for an old Anglophile like yourself, it, your Churchill imitation is impeccable. Uh, being <laughs> able to, uh, to pick up on British TV is uh, just one benefit of this. ExpressVPN has blazing fast speeds. 
You can stream in HD with zero buffering. It's compatible with all your devices, phones, laptops, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. It encrypts your data, too. So ExpressVPN has the added benefit of encrypting your data so that you can browse the web securely. And that's no small thing, Mike. Never. Never in the field of human endeavor. Yeah, whoops, sorry, you've got me off on a Churchill thing. So you can end the agony of that by just going to the internet right now and stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access for a fraction of their content. So get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash hacks on tap. Don't forget to use our link at expressvictorpaulnewmanvpn.com slash hacks on tap expressvpn.com slash hacks on tap to get an extra three months of expressvpn for free i think we all agree that the politics of ending forever wars is pretty popular trump certainly understood that i think biden has long understood that uh from a political and a policy perspective you know, I think there are a lot of questions that they have to answer on the, the mechanism of the withdrawal. I mean, members of Congress have been talking about for weeks speeding up this idea of the special visa process for Afghans mm-hmm. that assisted Americans. Yeah, so this isn't new. And so if you didn't know, there were enough people that would have been telling the White House they were concerned about this process to have asked. And I agree that there are a series of real long-term, look, this is the the tricky thing about any presidential decision is we have a media that that tends to examine the immediate when in reality it's the medium to long-term that may well tell more, either in a good way or a bad way. And I would say it's a big bet by Biden, to your point, David, that we can control the ungoverned spaces to prevent an al-Qaeda safe haven for the planning and operations of of a terrorist attack. That we can convince our allies and the human rights stakeholders that we're still serious about our role in the world and and that we still have a stake in Afghan success. I I think all of those are going to be, they're going to take up a considerable amount of time in this White House, more so because of how we got out. That was a profound summary that you just gave, Robert. But I got stuck on media and immediate and how media is part of immediate. And it's like, wow, that's really interesting. Anyway, go ahead, Murphy. (laughs) We'll be doing the special Hacks on Tap uh, (laughs) linguist uh, edition later with you guys and Professor Chatterbox from Harvard we're bringing. But the point I want to make is the sound we're going to hear again, potentially, and I hope not for the good of the country, is the sound we heard a little while ago where Biden said our goals were to make sure al-Qaeda can't use Afghanistan as a base to conduct terrorism. So that that is the big question now. This new Taliban, which might not be that new, but the media loves a 2.0 story, you know, they're they're seeing the negotiators hanging around the, the Four Seasons in Doha, and they're all trading pictures of their grandkids and, you know, throwing meatballs at each other. Isn't it sweet? <laughs> but the guys on the street with the guns 
I don't know who they're taking orders from and there are factions in the Taliban. And so we're, we're going to see, but if they start lining people up, whose only crime in life was taking a candy bar from an American GI or helping an American wounded GI get pulled out of a building and they shoot their whole family and it's all over the media. Yeah. Uh, if they, if they start letting Al Qaeda rebuild to score the next big win against the infidels after this huge win against the infidels, then th this thing is going to just never end for Biden and for the country. So we don't know that yet. And maybe their incentives, I'm sure back channel, they're trying to say, all right, grow up a little and you can get recognized. Um, you know, and they're, and I think that the, the, the knife and fork Taliban that we deal with at the four seasons gets it, you know, they're, they just did an interview on Tolo news, which I encourage everybody to follow on Twitter, where they had a female journalist interview one of their guys and he didn't stab or murder anybody during the interview and didn't beat her for asking questions, all a big positive PR move by Taliban. But how does that go forward? Once they've got the, once they got the, the airport and we're gone, then, then yeah. we're going to find out. And most of the pros who have been wrong before are very worried about that. They have their own hacks, apparently, because they are on yeah. a PR offensive uh, right now. And, you know, part of it is, well, you know, we want to welcome women into the government. Women can yeah. go to uh, up to the level of the university. Uh, you know, we're not going to shoot everybody right now. Well, it's we're like Andrew Poff loves jazz. You know, they used to roll <laughs> that out with every Russian leader. Loves his cat, you know, Trotsky, and he loves jazz. And then the gulags <laughs> were full. So we're C. But yeah. this could be a real anti-terrorism quagmire and Al-Qaeda coming back, which, as you say, is political, uh, political disaster. So to our point about the dynamic nature of this uh, Afghanistan story, uh, Times just broke a piece as we were talking. Intelligence warned of Afghan military collapse despite Biden's assurances. This story is not over, Mike. Yeah, it's not over. And the intelligence agencies have never been afraid to fight in the press a little bit. So uh, the cauldron, I think, is starting to boil even a little more politically for the present. Yeah, and I, look, I think we all understand that that to, to that last set of points, Murphy and X, the, the pictures are not likely, um, one Tolo News interview aside, the pictures are not likely to get better before, <laughs> they're likely to get much worse. Yeah. Uh, at least if, the, if, the, if it's the older Taliban that we remember that brought us in in, in the first place. Um, I think this presents also a huge challenge for the White House in, in that they had normally, th this had been, I think, a, a remarkably disciplined White House that was focused and knew they should be focused on two main things, right? COVID and economic recovery uh, and, and, and sort of how to build that next economy. Um, and I think much of what we've just talked about is going to require the bandwidth of the president and senior people in the White House in a way um, that it either hasn't or didn't before. Uh, and it's going to occupy some part of the agenda because the, the, the one thing they're going to have to continue to talk about is the, is the why they got out to help shape the how. Uh, and if yeah. they leave that aside, the potential for the politics of this is going to change. And it could easily revert back to just the easy partisan corners that most questions go to. You mentioned, Axe, you know, that, that, that Kennedy saw some political popularity for taking responsibility. We live in a world where it's either everything's either black or white, and, and everybody can revert back to their corners. And that would be a political loss for Biden because we know the politics is on the side of getting out of Afghanistan. 
Yeah, they have been disciplined. One of the things that struck me in the press today, though, was, you know, the the kind of characteristic thing that happens after this, the State Department pointing at the Defense Department, the Defense Department pointing at the State Department, you know, both of them pointing at the National Security Council. So, you know, there's a little bit of the circular firing squad thing going on. Let me ask you guys something. Let me just interrupt with one one quick point as we finish that and transition forward. Just politically, I think the Biden White House ought to do something that White Houses never want to do, which is go for radical transparency, get a high-level commission of non-political hacks, and tear the bark off the whole 20 years. And everybody's going to look bad. Bush is going to look bad. Obama's going to look bad. Trump's going to But better that Biden join the parade of everybody taking responsibility than more yeah, whitewashing. Yeah, a good idea. And just be the guy who screwed up the evacuation because he, you know, was right. asleep at the switch. And let the whole country, this is what the Israelis do when there's a screw up. They tear the bark and every they we figure it out. We level with the American people for yeah. a change. Well, and no, most importantly, most importantly, for the learnings of history, right? Yeah. So that yes. it doesn't become Vietnam, Afghanistan, and then some other part of the world where we fail to learn the lessons Look, I, I think we were all pretty clear as to why we went there in 2001. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, once we got Osama bin Laden, and, and look, we, we, you know, <laughs> Axe and I remember this, we were talking about it just the other day. Him asking, and I'm sure it wasn't the only commander-in-chief to ask this repeatedly of the generals inside of the Situation Room, what's the end game? How does this end? And, and there were never good answers except, again, thinking that, to your point, uh, Murphy, that, oh, yeah, you know, w- we can train a, a better force. Well, it didn't happen this year, but, boy, we've got a whole new training program for year yeah, two. Yeah, better slideshows, be and we found right. out boots are what they really want. No, it's always bullshit, and we have to come. Our problem is, and it's a great problem to have, when we, sh- we have a problem. Hey, al-Qaeda just did a terrorist act. The old imperial solution is we'll level the place and then leave. Our American thing our normative values and our foreign policy are, well, level the place as nicely as we can and then try to turn it into Columbus, Ohio. And then we found out Afghanistan, where, where the national identity is not really an Afghan nation identity. It's a kill invading infidels identity. The card Al-Qaeda had with one sixth the number of soldiers the Afghan army had and worse weapons, and they won. And so we never understand yeah, that. As, and, as, they, as they always have. Right. And, right. and by the way, when we were fighting the Vietnamese, most of them were communists. They were nationalists and we right. were the invading colonial. Po- right. So we always try to, we always try to do the hard thing we have to do for ourselves. And then we try to clean up our own mess and make them into us. And we almost always fail. We're the latest nation to whistle past the graveyard of empires. Okay, then let's take a break right here and we'll be right back. So, Mike, I think I mentioned to you that I moved recently from one apartment in Chicago to another. We kind of downsized, and I was reminded what a pain in the neck or other parts of the body moving furniture is. Oh, it's horrible, especially if that Taj Mahal-like pile of furniture you've got. (laughs) The throne was hard to disassemble. (laughs) So let me tell you about a furniture brand that might as well be made for moving, and that's called Burrow. It's easy to assemble. It's easy to move. Burrow's Innovative modular design and super helpful instructions make assembling and disassembling your furniture so quick and hassle-free that even you, Mike Murphy, uh, could do it. You know, I've looked into their, their furniture, and it's truly designed for the way people actually live. 
their award-winning Nomad sofa, and you and I know how to be couch potatoes when needed. Yeah. This thing has a built-in USB charger, so you can do conference calls from the couch while watching your doomed Chicago Bulls and charge your phone at the same time. You don't have to get up for days. Yeah, and that's why you're never mad in the Nomad sofa. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yes, indeed. You know, oh, the pun police are online, too. I think we're up on charges. <laughs> but their all-new range collection of seating features wider seats for muscular guys like us, deeper cushions, and a contemporary Scandinavian look. So spare yourself the warehouse trip and shop online. Everything is designed to work perfectly together in your living space. So all you got to do is click it and put it in your cart. Plus, Burrow's world-class support team is available for you whenever you need. And my guess is you won't need them much because unlike certain other furniture brands that you have to learn how to speak, oh, I don't know, a Scandinavian language and love the <laughs> metric system and weird tools that take years to put together, Burrow is designed to be easy to assemble and easy to move. Their innovative modular design and super helpful instructions make assembling and disassembling your furniture quick and hassle-free. So when it's time to move, the feds are moving in. Whatever it might be, your borough furniture will not hold you back. So right now you can get $75 off your first order at borough.com slash hacks. That's borough, B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash hacks for $75 off your borough purchase. Borough.com slash hacks. And don't forget, fast free shipping on every order. The hue and cry that you will hear, and I, I think it's, you know, you're tugged to this emotionally, I certainly am, is about human rights. It's about those young women who have experienced uh, a different kind of life in the last 20 years, uh, who now are subject to being thrown back to the dark ages and so on, uh, you know, about the summary executions and Sharia law and all of that. But yeah, as you point out, we can't, and Biden pointed out, I think he, you know, perhaps uh, uh, too bluntly in, a, in an interview or a press conference recently, there are lots of places in the world where uh, there are grave injustices going on. We can't solve them all with the U.S. military. Or the State Department or U.S. aid or slideshows or anything else. People choose to be the people they are. And that's a hard thing, but it, it is a reality. And we keep trying to fight that at great cost. But, you know, I'm surprised, though, because you're a Reagan Republican that, the, you know, one of the hallmarks of Reaganism was we are a beacon. We are a beacon to the world. We are the force. We are a, a beacon of light uh, of for democracy. Uh, and, you know, I guess my question is, how do we how do we leverage that and how do we have credibility when we say or do we say, I mean, Trump said, hey, you run your countries the way. You want to run them, and we don't have any business. We, you know, uh, uh, Navalny, you're on your own. Uh, you know, everyone's on their own. We're going to take care of our own national interests, and that's just the way the world works. Is that what we're? Are we willing to accept that? And if not, what is the halfway? Well, that that's the hard thing. It's the grave. It, you know, we've always had this Wilsonian instinct, which doesn't always work. On the other hand, we don't want to be real. We don't want to be the Romans. Oh, yeah. Nuke Afghanistan. Problem solved. Um, you know, so the, the question is the middle. And I think part of it's cultural awareness. It is harder. We ought to know more about where we go. You know, we Afghanistan is 
except for metropolitan Kabul, not very cosmopolitan, not Western <laughs> civilization, and they're organized on killing infidels, and we're infidels. On the other hand, saving East Germany and the behind the Iron Curtain, Eastern Europe, right up our alley, because there's something to work with there, and we just well, got to be hard-minded about it. I'm not trying to revert back to partisan corners here, but I think this is where this this is where the real deconstruction of what Trump did and didn't do is going to come to bear. Because you, David, asked this question precipiced on what leverage we had. And that leverage, much of that leverage, if not all of it, dissipated in what what Trump concocted. There wasn't a conditions-based withdrawal. There yeah, wasn't he, he wanted something. to buy a phony piece. He just wanted, right. you know, the, the he the, wanted a photo op for the reelection yeah. that yeah. everybody was coming home and quite frankly wanted everyone to probably come home either before the election announced, you know, not too long before the election, everyone would be would be home by December. So I, I worry greatly that 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 one of the big moves that was missed here is is in that negotiation, we 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 gave away all our leverage, and, and I think our ability to get back in is going to be inordinately difficult. I think Biden understood that and also knew that without that leverage, that the music was going to play to the natural end. Yeah, well, let me, say, let me just say something. I thought the partisan note you were going to make was different, which is— I can make a different one. I know you can. <laughs> you used to do this for a living. Uh, if we don't fight— for democracy here, if we're not willing to do that, if yeah, we don't there, value our own democracy, yeah. we don't have any credibility in the world. None. No, no, we, that's yeah. our strongest thing, the intellectual property. I was in Romania right after Ceausescu fell, and I have an alibi. Yes, I, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I was there. My hotel room, I didn't need a window because of all the bullet holes in the wall. And so, long story short, a bunch of these people from the uprising came up to me. They spoke no English. A few of them still had wounds, and a couple of them were graduates of the secret police story and had mangled hands. One guy was an editor, and the solution was take a ball-peen hammer to the fingers so he can't write any more bad shit about the government. Anyway, they gave me one of the Joskamu Mismu uh, and I just mangled my Romanian posters that showed the hammer and sickle being cracked. And the, they, two of them wrote the only word in English they know. They said American, they wrote freedom in all caps. And it is the power of that idea that really is the strongest thing we have. And it's attack, It's under attack at home. And it we is. have a responsibility as a High Lantern to do something about that. Now, one, one quick footnote. I mentioned a book before, and I didn't mention the title. New History of Afghanistan, written by a very smart Pentagon guy who speaks Pashtun and has lived there for years, worked for General Dunford. I'm going to mangle his name so I won't try, but it's the American War in Afghanistan. Just Google it. It's a great history, very recently published, with a lot of smart learnings about it that, again, is part of this fair-minded examination. Anybody interested in this ought to pick it up. On your point about uh, – two points. Uh, freedom. Uh we also have to agree what that means. Uh, we have to agree what that means. Does freedom mean uh, the freedom to do whatever the hell you please, even if it endangers others, uh, or does it mean that we we we, we exercise we have uh, enormous amount of personal freedom, but we sacrifice some of that for the in in order to uh, you know for the greater good. Uh, you know, we stop at stoplights 
yes, we get vaccinated or wear right. masks or, you know, I mean, I think that's a discussion that we have to have. But yeah, I, I just think we, you know, we, we part of it also is recognizing that everybody's freedom, uh, everybody should enjoy the same amount of freedom uh, and the same, you know, in any case, I don't want to get off on the I don't want to get up on the soapbox. As long here. as you're not going to land on seizing the means of production for the great vanguard of the workers, I'm totally with you. Yeah, <laughs> that is, all right. Well, if 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 those if those if those are the parameters, Murphy, I think we can do some business. Yeah, no, I think I think we can. Now let's do a transition to the pig-headed, stupid Republicans because this fantasy that if we'd had you know, 3,000 Marines there, we could hold the peace for 100 years. I think we could hold Kabul and the Taliban would let us for much longer and have done the evacuation right. right. But there's a lot of revisionist history. Now, there are plenty of ours who've been in the same place and we're critical yep. of Biden now, we're critical of Trump then, but not many because of the Trump fear. And there are right. some 180 converts like Cruz now who are General Cruz has is, is now got it all figured out. So, you know, we can't yeah, let them no, off the hook. No, either. no, no. I couldn't agree with you more. I saw Senator Scott from Florida, uh, uh, one of the, uh, you know, voluminous number of uh, presidential aspirants say that, uh, you know, uh, Biden should be removed from office through the 25th Amendment. You know, he didn't have diddly squat to say uh, last September when Trump signed this agreement with the Taliban. You know, I, I look, uh, uh, Kinsinger. Yeah, but if I were uh, Blinken, I'd resign like you would in a European government and get that heat off Biden because somebody ought to. That's not going to happen. And, and again, yeah. I mean, I'd be very interested to know, we may never, what it is that Tony Blinken told Biden, what it is that uh, Jake Sullivan told Biden, and how much of this was Biden himself? Oh, that's true, true. But Biden knows, and if it was staffed, hey, we, we talked about that, don't we? Yeah. Just to be clear, with the, I think that there's another sort of iteration on the Republicans, because not only is it hypocrisy to criticize what's happening now based on the fact that they didn't criticize Trump for doing it, but for those that have said there was We've had a number of Republicans who have said, oh, well, what Biden laid out in this speech, this either, you know, increase our uh, uh, our footprint there or leave was a false choice. And and I don't really think that Republicans that have, to your point, that 3,000 Marines weren't going to do the trick, or maybe they do the trick through the winter. But it's, again, as soon as, as soon as we took the training wheels off, after 20 years, after 21 years, after 25 years, I don't think the result would have been markedly different. And I haven't no, heard Biden Republicans made that point. right. I, and I haven't heard Republicans say, "Okay, if we were going to stay, and if we weren't going to have this happen, and we weren't going to withdraw, what were we going to do?" Right? Because were, yeah. were we going to keep spending hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars, and to what end, and for what purpose? And I, I look, I, I think there's a lot that that will. I think Biden just has to stay on the playing field of this message. They have to continue. I mean, I, I tweeted this yesterday before he spoke. He needed to speak to the American people. He needed to speak to the world. That's not going to change after the last plane or helicopter leaves. And I think it's going to be really important to continue, um, really important to fight this out and to think through, Murphy, what you said, how this all went wrong. And what is our, our posture around democracy and freedom in the rest of the world? Well, they also need a big, strong offense, which is why Eric Garcetti, I don't think is the right choice with India and Pakistan to both defuse that and get the containment alliance going. Because, you know, Pakistan was part of the big problem here, but they're too big to ignore. 
and Biden's got to be thinking ahead uh, regionally and uh, we'll see what their strategy is for that. Biden administration is not, they've been big on tactics and this was a bad one, not so big on international strategy. And he's back in the whole, the Europeans are gonna have to dig out a second time. So it's time to see a little more grand strategy, I think coming out of the Biden White House because tactically they've been not particularly adroit, particularly in the region. Just to your point, I mean, on Pakistan to underscore it, I mean, we, we have found a lot more of those bad guys plotting and planning for the next September 11th, uh, more recently, not inside the confines of Afghanistan, but inside the confines uh, of, of Pakistan. And, right, and they've got plans for Pakistan too, which is troubling. Yeah, yeah. and it's nuclear weapons. The Pakistanis are, uh, are, are a little unsettled because uh, they've got, you know, a, a Taliban issue themselves. Right, and they don't control their own government. But we got we we all of a sudden we've turned into a foreign policy symposium. Yeah, let's yeah. just get out of that. I'll I'll give you Biden's bright one thing in this, and then act you transition us to uh, whatever's next. All right, I'm getting ready. <laughs> I think this is going to rattle because of American leadership, not only the Europeans but but many others, and it's going to be harder for the Republicans to play games with the debt limit because uh, our standing in the world is taking a big shift. Wow. And that, the half of the Republican Party uh, that listens to the economic interests that count in America is going to get a lot of, no, 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 enough, enough kindergarten. We're in a weakened situation now. Uh, we're not going to play games with the full faith and credit of our currency because you guys are in a, you know, in a crazy world there in D.C. So this whole deal was Biden trying uh in a cra crafty no, strategy. No, no, it's even worse. That's the ceiling raise. It was Obama trying to get Marine <laughs> Dowd to have something else to write about. Oh, rather than there the you go. Party. It was there all a conspiracy. There we go. I, how, <laughs> I couldn't resist. We, Just one shout out before you do the transition. Murphy made this point this morning, or I should say last night, in our hacksontap.bulletin.com newsletter. So Absolutely subscribe free. to that and you'll get insights like what you just heard from Murphy that literally wowed david axelon no it did wow me i hope it's true I, it could be bullshit <laughs> but we'll wait and see it, it, it's 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 hypothetical but all i know is when big business doesn't like shaky times yeah so read it all at, at hacksontap.bulletin.com absolutely free twice a week in your email it could be bullshit but you never know that should be our those are our watchwords. My wife says my next career should be in astrology. Because, hey, <laughs> stuff comes true. Just keep predicting. Right. Or palm reading. Okay, gentlemen, we will be back in a minute, but we have to pay a few bills. Ax, ever have one of those ideas that you just don't know how to get started on making into a reality? If you procrastinated on this, you're not alone. Experts say not knowing how or where to start is one of the biggest causes of our friend procrastination and simply not following through on ideas and projects. I'll give you an answer on that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right. That's where the Blinkist app comes in. Yes, they take leading nonfiction books like Puns for Beginners, and mm -hmm. they pull out the key takeaways and puts them into text and audio explainers called Blinks that you can learn from in just, get this, Axe, 15 minutes. You can learn Blinks to learn about how to tackle procrastination. You can get started on tackle procrastination. You can get started <laughs> on developing an idea or business or simply how to take your projects one step further. Yeah, man, and they have all the great titles, uh, you know, including my old friend uh, President Obama's book, A Promised Land. Uh, they've got Fire and Fury, The Prince, 
letters from a stoic, all kinds of titles that you really want to grab. They've blinked thousands of titles in 27 categories, all ready to learn from in just 15 minutes. So you can learn while washing dishes, which you rarely do. I've seen pictures. <laughs> Working out, or which you rarely do, or winding down, which you do often. As much as I can. Like podcasts, they've blinked those too with shortcasts. Take control of your time, creativity, and goals knowledge of thousands of best-selling nonfiction titles all in one app and right in your pocket so you can learn anytime, anywhere with Blinkist. The bottom line is if you want to get smart fast in 15-minute blinks anywhere you are, you got to check out Blinkist. How do people get it, Axe? Well, I'll tell you right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. You go to Blinkist.com slash hacks to start your free seven-day trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash hacks to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial. So check out Blinkist.com slash hacks. Somewhere along the line here, uh, someone mentioned uh, the the discipline of the Biden people on uh, keeping the focus on two things, the virus and the economy. Uh, both of them have their challenges right now. Yeah, I, yeah. So I presume that things will, in the next few weeks, uh, segue back. Certainly by the time Congress gets back, uh uh, you know, for schools are opening, that will be the focus on the virus. Apparently, we're going to have boosters. Uh, you know, all of that will be front and center. The but the the president's two big pieces, uh, the uh, the infrastructure bill and that huge reconciliation bill with uh, new social safety net spending, healthcare spending, and so on. Those are at a really interesting point. You guys, uh, they. They've passed the Senate. Now Pelosi is trying to talk about, like, if she were handling traffic in Kabul, the planes would probably land and take off with a lot more alacrity than, uh, <laughs> there'd, be, than there'd be 50 dead people pushed to the side. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, the baseball bat wounds to the head. Just quickly, just a quick bet, and then we'll move on with this. I, I'll lay money that I'll pay two to one. I predict that Ron Klain was on the phone to the CDC today. Release the boosters. Yeah. You know, yeah. one good policy, too. They could use that right now. No, that's a pretty good thought. That's a pretty good thought. If they not, Ron, a, we know you listen. Yes, uh, yes they, the, White House needed, the White House needed a booster. So you're probably right about that. But, uh, but it's interesting. I mean, I love watching Nancy Pelosi work. Okay, because I saw it and you saw it, Gibbs. I mean, she's just very freaking good at this. And so now she has this issue because everybody has leverage, right? She has a three-vote margin in the House. The uh, moderates have leverage. The progressives have leverage. The progressives say we are not going to vote for infrastructure unless they give us, uh, you know, uh, the unless we vote first on the inf on the reconciliation bill, the moderates say we're gonna we won't vote for the reconciliation bill unless the infrastructure bill is voted on immediately. And you've got the little salt, the rubbing salt in the wound, but um boom, so to speak, which is Gothheimer and a few of the center Democrats from high tech states saying unless we get our salt deduction back, 
uh, right. we're, we're not going to do it. Which state, is, if you're in a, state an and local tax state, deductions, yeah, you can yeah. deduct your high local California or New York taxes. They're also probably they're probably less receptive than others to some of the tax increases on the wealthy that is in this bill. But but God love them. But it, there's an interesting piece in the political Gibbs about uh, uh, Pelosi on a call this week saying. She just made a commitment to the progressives about the ordering of these bills. And she said, this is not amateur hour. We're not going to have an amateur hour here. You know, she's got a plan. I bet she she uh, I bet she lands the plane. I bet she does, too. Um, she it, it is going to take all of her skill in air traffic control to do it successfully, because in reality, the, the, what she's talking about happening in terms of reconciliation actually probably isn't going to happen in the Senate for another month or so. Because what we've done is basically say, yeah, we're going to have $3.5 trillion in stuff, but the real hard work of what that $3.5 trillion is has yet to be written. And so, right. look, I, I think that um, I, it was an interesting comment that she made about amateur hour. Uh, I think... I was also, and I agree with her totally, and we've talked about it on on hacks uh, a lot, which is she said we have to get something done. Failure, I mean, you know, she didn't say this, I am. Failure, I think, for the Democrats is just simply not an option. And that's gotten worse. You can't walk into the 2022 election uh, having having had a circular firing squad and killing the one good opportunity you have to do many of the things you want. I agree. No, she just has a new weapon now too. She can say, Hey, knuckleheads in the caucus, turn on the TV. Our president has taken a huge <laughs> torpedo here. So this is not a time to put another torpedo into him. Let's get this thing done because the infrastructure thing in, in particular, we really need <laughs> now, or you guys get ready for Speaker McCarthy. I hear he's a real dreamboat, a lot of fun. The more I listen to Murphy, the more I realize what a boon this debacle in Kabul has been. <laughs> I'm, I'm I trying mean, to get you guys to <laughs> see at least something for Biden in this, you know? In just 45 minutes, we passed the debt limit and got infrastructure. I mean, not a bad bargain. Yeah, man. We should have botched up this mission earlier. Yeah, just back off the socialism and take the 3.5 trillion <laughs> down to 2.5 or less. And that's what's going to happen. Well, yeah. and that's the concern because everybody has something they want in this bill. And they're all leveraging that, that, you know, their votes to try and get their thing You to, uh, on the plane, leaving the runway here uh, before it's too late. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I had, uh, by the way, I had uh, uh, Raja Krishnamurthy, Krishnam, Krish, Krishnamurthy. He's only a friend of mine for 20 years. Uh, uh, and your friend, Gibbs, you worked with him. Yeah. Uh, I just call him Raja. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which I should have done. I call him Mary, but I'm dumb. Okay. <laughs> Mary Cheney. That's a callback joke from before. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, yes. no. It was a really good one. So anyway, um, and I said to him, like, I cannot believe that Democrats are going to turn their nose up at like an aggregate $4 trillion of new uh, spending on infrastructure and social spending. Uh, and he said he thought they would not and that he, he laid out how he thought Pelosi was going to order the thing. And he said, and I, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something like, it's like an Indian wedding. He says, everybody fights for hours, but they stick around for the dessert. 
And I thought that was a really, uh, I thought it was a really good way of putting it. You should explain who he is for our listeners. Who may no, not he's be a cow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's a congressman from the western right. suburbs of Illinois. We've known him. He was a young policy yep. guy for Barack Obama in the early 2000s when Obama was running for the U.S. Senate. And a uh, very, yep. very bright guy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think this thing is going to happen. Uh, but it's going to be – there are going to be a lot of twists and turns before it does. Yeah, I agree with that. Again, I think Biden's dire political situation is going to help it happen, but it's going to be a lot smaller than $3.5 trillion, particularly when the tax debate starts. Yeah, and I would say, too, I mean, I think one of the things for our listeners to listen for as they as they hear both this debate and the lead-up to it, there's a lot of posturing. There's a lot of, of line drawing. There's a lot of negotiating that's going on publicly. There's, I, I, to, to, to all of our points, I, I don't think failure is going to happen or an option. And I think a lot of what you're hearing from members of Congress in different sides or different parts of the spectrum is laying down markers um, simply to help in the end get closer to where they want to be. Yeah, yeah. The Kabuki Theater is in full speed. Yeah, totally I don't right. think in the end anybody wants to see this go down. And to your point, Murphy, given the events of the last week, it, 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 it can't go down. It makes it all the more important to get. So quickly, ballots are flying in California. Should we touch on the recall before the then off to the mailbag? Sound right? Real, real, real quick. And you're the Californian. Well, Tell Gavin's me. in trouble because COVID is back and Democrats generically are down. And I think this thing will will hurt generic Democrat numbers too. what's on TV right now. That said, they don't really have a candidate. Larry Elder, who started out as kind of a smart, interesting libertarian, but, you know, has gone down the Trump AM radio world, is number one based on name ID. The best candidate is former mayor of uh, San Diego, a grown-up Republican named Kevin Falconer, and no money, not a lot of numbers. So, you know, when we did the thing with Arnold, I was very involved in that campaign. Arnold was acceptable and interesting and kept the focus on firing Gray Davis. What If the focus is on firing Gavin, even in the more Democratic California, it could happen. But but they that Gavin guys are they they stumble a lot, but they've been making it partisan, which is their smartest right. move. Everybody, yeah, Trump. yeah, Newsom Newsom's part partisanizing it, and in fact, he's in negotiation with the White House to get Biden out there, uh, which will help just because him. it makes it partisan, even with right. Biden's current problems. So right. I, I think he will probably prevail if it was a fair fight with an opponent like Falconer at the top and not twenty people scrambling around with no money. Uh, it could happen. Maybe, Murphy, Democrats in California will decide that this situation in Afghanistan was so bad for Biden that they have to vote against the recall in order to shore him up. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. But, but Gavin, you know, he's, he's been, he's stumbled. When COVID went away, he had a comeback and they thought it was over. Then COVID came back and they're just running off. So wildfires, a lot going on. There's a big scandal with the unemployment benefits here where billions and billions have been sprayed out into fraud. Uh, he's in real trouble, but you can't beat him without a candidate. And they don't really have one. So I would I would say, even though I'm not going to vote for him, I'm going to vote for Falconer. I think the odds are that he will survive. I think it will be interesting for, for folks to watch for that beginning, that march of Democrats into California to get the Democratic base energized. Because if the Democratic base is remotely energized, there's far more of them. Yeah. So watch for Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Barack Obama, uh, lots of different stars that can appeal to the base writ large, different aspects of the base. Because I do think if you look at some of the public polling, which I've been told isn't t terribly off, 
the numbers are there's not a big cushion right now. This is a closer right. no, no, race than it, it certainly is. we've seen in a long time, and I think it's got to be on the radar screen of Democrats writ large, regardless of the outcome in Afghanistan. Well, we know it's tight in the end if the White House will release their most powerful weapon on a trip to California. Gina Raimundo. <laughs> <laughs> That'll save it. All right, let's play the music. <laughs> All right, if you've got a question, particularly a trick one or one that insults either Democrat on this podcast, send it to us at hacksontap at gmail.com, hacksontap at gmail.com. And while you're typing, go to hacksontap.bulletin.com to subscribe to the Murphy and Gibbs gab fest with a lot of tidbits you don't hear here twice a week email newsletter absolutely free and occasionally insulting now what do we got all right all right x let me ask you let me start you off i'm gonna this is a little bit longer so bear with me i'm a 23 year old philadelphia public school teacher running for my local borough council in delaware county pennsylvania i'm running as a democrat with a message of bringing people together and working with each other to get things done how do i stick to my message that I strongly believe in while also keeping some of the more progressive Democrats on my side. And more importantly, how do I build a coalition of like-minded people if I do get elected, given a fiercely divided government? First of all, Michael, good for you that you're seeking office, and we need more people like you uh, to run for public office, and uh, good for you for teaching as well. Um uh, you know, the thing that I think you need to remind your progressive friends is that progress is part of that word. And the goal of being in public life is to is to uh, achieve progress. You cannot do that unless you're willing to work with others and unless you're willing uh, to compromise. And uh, we see examples of that again and again and again. So you can either make a point or you can make progress. Uh, and you choose to make progress. And if you, uh, if you enter office with that philosophy, you're likely to get, uh, things done. But the one thing I will tell you is if this is what you strongly believe, then, then say so. Don't try and be what you think you need to be in order to win an election. First of all, you won't win. And if you do, you wouldn't deserve to. Uh, so best of luck to you. We're rooting for you. Murphy's already writing a check. <laughs> well, not till I see where you are on school choice and uh, charters <laughs> in particular, but I'm open. I'm open to a pitch. It also would probably destroy his career. So maybe we should hold off. Uh, what just do, do what you do when you send these letters in. Uh, send, send a check under an alias. So, uh, <laughs> Robert, with Ron Kind, Congressman Ron Kind, announcing his retirement here in Wisconsin and the GOP looking to pick up six to seven seats in the South through redistricting, that number might be high. What in the world can the Democrats do to maintain House control? Yeah, it's a great question. We talked a little bit um, about Ron Kine leaving in one of our more recent uh, bulletin newsletters. Uh, it, obviously, it's a big blow, and I think it was a, somewhat of a surprise to the Democratic leadership. I, I think, as you said, Murphy, that, that number of seats in the South is probably high in terms of redistricting. I think one of the breaks that Democrats probably caught in the, in redistricting uh, is that the census was better news for them than many presumed that it would be. Uh, so that's that's a good thing as we go into this. I think the next few months will be really interesting to watch in terms of what we think that number is. But in reality, I, I think the recipe is is still 
you got to get something done uh, on infrastructure. You got to get something done and show people the the real benefit of what a democratic majority can do uh, when it's in power. I think the the White House has to be strong. Joe Biden has to be strong, uh, and I think the economy has to continue to make progress. And I, I don't think it's a lot of rocket science. I think it is. Um, it is. It really is focused on getting thing done, things done and having those tangible results that impact and help families in, uh, in, in, a, in a world with a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, let's leave rocket science to billionaires who are bored and want to go into space. <laughs> You're right. This uh, isn't. There's some and, good billionaires going into space, but we'll fight <laughs> about that another time. But here's the thing. Passing the uh, infrastructure bill and passing reconciliation is not any guarantee that Democrats can deal with all the structural uh, and historic headwinds that they're going to face going into 2022. But not passing them is an almost right. guarantee uh, for defeat. And that's uh, something I'm sure Pelosi and her team are, are, are as we said earlier, banging every single day. Going to be tough. Amanda asks, how do we find a Joe Biden Dem in Florida and clear the field for them to run against DeSantis? Do you think any of the currently announced candidates can win? And bonus points. Oh, we get bonus points, Murphy. How much national coverage will the race get? And what's the over under on the total donations? Oh, all right. Well, number one, Ron DeSantis, the governor, who's uh I think very focused on running for president and Republican primaries. Uh, like a lot of governors, his numbers have taken a drop during COVID 2.0, and he's the epicenter. So he, he's in a real race now. There's a Democratic primary um, between Charlie Crist, who is a congressman from the Tampa area, former Republican, used to be a governor, originally ran for statewide office as chain gang Charlie Crist. He wanted to bring <laughs> chain gangs back. And then after he kind of got blown up in the Republican Party by a, a young candidate, Marco Rubio, uh, in a primary, Charlie's back as a Democrat now. And he's leading in the early polling, but not by a ton. He is, again, from West Florida. You asked about clearing the way. Hard to do in a mega state because people have regional bases. And he's kind of a West care. He's always been a Tampa Bay guy, Charlie has. Over in Democrat vote-rich Broward County, Fort Lauderdale, north of Miami, uh, Nikki Freed, who's the young, dynamic, some say too controversial, state agriculture commissioner, which doesn't mean she's that well-known, but she's running too, and she's kind of a flamboyant personality, and she's you know behind Chris, but not that far, depending on which poll. So you got a real primary there. Either one of them, if they're the Democratic nominee, um, will be competitive against DeSantis if his troubles continue, but both are target-rich environments. Charlie, because he's been everything, and Nikki Freed, because she hasn't really played successfully on the big media stage there. As far as money is concerned, and I would call neither a Joe Biden Democrat, though Charlie is probably a little closer to that, that archetype. And again, Charlie is known to be able to reinvent himself in a, a minute or two when needed. So he'll definitely try to do that if he's the nominee. Uh, the money will be, you know, the technical phrase would be a shitload of, uh, I wonder if we get the little E now an Apple for that. Um, of cash. I, I can't try to do an, a number, but if DeSantis's numbers stay low, it'll be over a hundred mil, uh, maybe significantly more spent. And yeah, the media, cause it's Florida, you know, and by the way, the candidate, well, because he's me, running for president, 
Well, yeah, yeah. DeSantis is, you know, there's all kinds of, and, and Nikki is kind of telegenic and, you know, it, she'll be, she'll be copy for the newspapers. Finally, though, keep an eye on independent candidate Gizmo Wexler. Heard it here first because he's got a great name. He's an IT consultant and nobody's going to vote for him. But I love the name Gizmo Wexler. Yeah, that's good. A bumper sticker. Two quick points to add to yours, Murphy. A recent poll a few days ago actually had Nikki Fried slightly ahead of Christ in uh, in the primary, though a huge number of folks that are undecided. And I would right. say it was this like probably on behalf. Right. On yeah, behalf of all yeah. of us, my guess is we've all been involved in primaries that have been debilitating uh, for the eventual nominee, but also primaries that have been very helpful for the eventual nominee. And I think how this race is, is run and won will say a lot about whether the nominee that eventually represents the Democratic Party down there comes out stronger uh, because they ran a good campaign, they understand how to run a good campaign, and they understand how to deliver their message, uh, or whether it becomes, you know, just a, a complete mess and wounds the other, uh, each wound each other. All right, here, here yeah. are my two quick points. Chris is a survivor, has had a lot of incarnations, as Murphy mentioned, but there has to be a freshness date somewhere here, and he may run into that uh, in this uh, election. And the second thing is, you know, DeSantis isn't just uh, kind of a— uh, an innocent bystander in this whole saga of COVID. He has made his resistance to mask mandates uh, and his sort of uh, uh, slow adoption of public health measures uh, a badge of honor, you know, because he thinks it helps him in the Republican presidential primary. And it could be that his embrace of those things ends up tripping him up. Right, right. That could be the Shakespearean outcome. I'd add one footnote Often candidates who come up out of Broward County culturally don't play as well statewide. Broward County is Long Island mm -hmm. with palm trees and Central Florida and other places that are very key. Uh, the Panhandle, Jacksonville, up in Duval County, they don't always resonate to candidates from Broward like Nikki is. But we're seeing yeah. she's flamboyant enough to maybe break through. All right, guys, we're out of time. Always good to be together as a group. And yeah, uh, yeah, don't forget to fun. read their read the bulletin newsletter uh again uh it could, be, bull dot could be bullshit dot it could be bullshit but we'll find out this week we're going to publish the long lost secret photo of david axelrod when he starred in a short-lived abc tv cop show axes rules at the corner of crime <laughs> and justice we have a very special photo we're putting in the newsletter it never got the attention it deserved all <laughs> right guys the critics were unfair all righty. We'll thank you, everybody. See you next Great time. Talk. See you. Always fun to have the three amigos.